Coming up this evening on NTD Business. Elon Musk reveals he's Twitter's biggest shareholder. News that sends the stock up 25%. What are his plans? JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon revealing the loss the company is facing from the Russia-Ukraine war. What does he say is the biggest risk facing the U.S. economy is? The Chinese Communist Party is taking babies away from parents. Why? Because the babies tested positive for the coronavirus. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here live from New York City. Elon Musk, the world's richest man, has disclosed he's now Twitter's largest shareholder. The news comes after he ran a Twitter poll asking if Twitter respects free speech. Anthony's Con Fredrickson elaborates. Elon Musk has revealed he's Twitter's largest shareholder with a 9.2% stake. And this is happening just a few days after he tweeted about Twitter and free speech. He's a man who in the past has shown that he's not afraid to take his own wealth and to use the expression, put money where his mouth is. Matt Sweetwood is the CEO of Greener Process Systems and a Twitter power user with over 150,000 followers. Sweetwood says Musk will have power over what goes on in the company. At a minimum, it will get him a seat on the board of directors. Having a seat on the board of directors, he now has access to all information, uh, both public and what's uh, privately discussed among um, other board members, and he can have some input over that. Michael Bussler is a professor of finance at Stockton University. Bussler believes that if Musk were to go for majority ownership, he would do it in stages. He could go in and, and, and buy it outright. That would really shake up the stock market, the stock market for uh, Twitter, and it might drive prices uh, possibly uh, way up. I think he's if he's going to get control and do it in stages. He doesn't really want to shock the market and cause any real shocks in the price. Jeremy Knopf is the founder of Spartan Media. Knopf says Musk's huge audience will heavily influence the company and the media. When we look at his 9.2% stake in Twitter, that in and of itself, I mean, that's impressive to begin with, but the control that he actually will have is exponentially larger because he has this huge vocal and engaged audience. Musk has the eighth largest following on Twitter. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. And J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon warned today his bank could lose about $1 billion because of his direct exposure to Russia. It's the first time he's detailed the extent of the bank's losses from the conflict in Ukraine. He wrote it in his annual letter to shareholders where he also highlighted risks facing the United States. Diamond says high inflation would heighten risks and that the number of Federal Reserve interest rate hikes could be significantly higher than the market expects. Diamond also addressed trade with China, saying the U.S. should revamp its supply chain to use more domestic suppliers or to only include, quote, completely friendly allies. And a group of senators want to make it easier for you to invest in small American companies. Republican Senator Pat Toomey wants feedback on 29 new bills, some with bipartisan support, that could help small businesses raise more money through private and public markets. It's expensive to get listed on an exchange like the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, so usually only big companies do it. But under the new Jobs 4.0 Act, the, dr- the cost to get listed will be studied and perhaps in the future, 
it'll be cheaper for companies to list and raise money in public markets. Right now, if a small private business wants to raise money by issuing bonds, they can only sell them to, quote, accredited investors. Those are individuals making over $200,000 per year or are worth more than a million dollars. The Jobs Act could expand that definition and allow less well-off investors to put their money into up-and-coming private companies. That part of the plan is called Equal Opportunity for All Investors Act. 24 of the 29 bills have already been introduced on Capitol Hill. It's unclear which, if any, will have the votes to proceed. And joining us to discuss is Lance Roberts, Chief Strategist with RIA Advisors. RIA manages over a billion dollars of assets there. Lance, good to see you. Good to see you too. How are you? Good, Lance. You think it's a good idea to loosen restrictions on who can invest in private companies here? Absolutely. If you're one of the Wall Street banks, this is awesome for them. This is just another way to steal more money from mom and pop retail investors and get it put into their coffers. Look, we've been through this before and we don't ever learn from our lessons. In 1998, 1999, we were opening up new ways to invest to smaller retail investors, trading after hours, um, online trading, et cetera. And of course we ran into the dot-com crisis and people lost 50% of their money. Then we decided it'd be a great idea to get more people to buy a home in 2006 and seven. So we made mortgages super easy to get, right? No money down mortgages, ninja loans, didn't have to qualify for anything. That worked great for people until they lost their houses. The, the point is, is that investing is very complicated. And when it comes to accredited investors, investing in small businesses, 80% of small businesses fail ultimately from lack of capital, poor management, whatever it is. And so you're taking the life savings of a lot of individuals to invest in companies. They don't know how to do the financial research. They don't know how to read the balance sheets. They don't know what the rules and regulations are. And then when they lose their money, the recourse, of course, is simply to sue everybody and the lawyers make money, but the, the individual investor doesn't make any money back because they signed a paper that says, I know what I'm doing. And that's the whole point of the accredited investor status. Is it not possible to make mistakes when you are worth a million dollars, similar mistakes? Oh, absolutely. Look, you know, to the, the million dollar accredited investor level was put together a couple of decades ago. Now for somebody to have a million dollars is because of inflation and markets over time. There's a lot of people that have a million dollars in their 401k plan or their investment accounts, and they don't even understand what they're invested in. I, look, I've been managing money for over 35 years, and I have people coming to me all the time to manage money. They don't understand what stocks are, what options are, what a bond is, how to, what a bond does. And now they're wanting to invest in these, these small private equity companies because they hear about private equity making all this money. But that's the way that Wall Street works. If they can get small investors to seed their deals, that's how they make money. It doesn't mean that you make money. It means that Wall Street makes money. You mean through listing fees and management fees, Lance? Yeah, absolutely. And also, look, how, how does Wall Street work? You know, and this is the thing you've got to remember. Um, you take a look at these SPACs that we talked about last year. We had a rage in SPAC issuance. Most of those SPACs are worth far less than what they came to market with. So investors lost money in a lot of those SPACs. The people that made money was Wall Street, who collected the fees, the services. And, and by the way, they're the ones that were selling the companies into these SPACs. Remember, what Wall Street does well is they create product to fill a need. And who, by the way, is writing these bills that Senator Pat Toomey is proposing? Wall Street wrote these bills. It's for their benefit. 
It's not for yours. Be very careful what you put your money in. There's a basic rule of investing. If you don't understand it, don't invest in it. How about on the flip side for the smaller private companies, Lance? Do they need capital at the moment? Would this help them? Sure. Look, you know, getting access to public markets is great. We, we saw this during the 2020 crisis. The reason that we had to give all these bailouts to small businesses because they didn't have access to go sell bonds in the market, go sell equity in the market. But a lot of businesses don't need to be public. Again, there's a lot of reporting requirements. There's a lot of additional cost to a business. And if a business is just simply looking to raise more capital, there's plenty of private equity companies out there willing to give you really to give you money. You just have to go ask them for it. Very quickly, Lance, this talk about in this bill as well, allowing public companies to submit the results every six months instead of three months to kind of encourage them to think longer term, longer term, right? You, you think there's you think there's any benefit to this? No. Look, the, the, the best shot we've got at trying to get at least some understanding of what we've got going on right now is at least quarterly reporting. The longer that companies go without reporting earnings and reporting profitability, the, the less clear it becomes. And look, the average holding time for stocks today is less than four months. So if I'm, in, if I'm holding a stock for four months and don't get a report for six months, that's not really helping me much as an investor. Look, investors need clarity of information and they need responsible reporting. We need to stop reporting operating earnings and start going back to reporting gap earnings. That's what companies actually made, not fantasy money, which is what we call operating earnings. But investors need to understand more importantly than anything else, is what they're actually investing in. We've turned the markets into a casino, and this is why a lot of investors continue to lose money over time. Lance Roberts, RA Advisors, appreciate it, thanks. Thanks. More bad news coming from Europe. Days after Germany reported record inflation, multiple supermarkets and retail chains say food prices are about to explode. One of the more popular discount store markets in, in Germany, Aldi, says they're expecting prices to increase from 20% up to 50% for basic essentials like meat, butter, and German sausages. Butter is expected to go up 20%. Vegetables like tomatoes and cucumbers are expected to go up 30%. That's after inflation in Germany hit 7.6%. Lithuania is the, the first EU country to actually stop importing Russian gas just seven years ago. It was got nearly 100% of its gas from Russia. Since then, it's built what's called a natural gas import terminal in one of the port cities. This way, it can get other countries to deliver natural gas by ship, and the terminal costs $128 million. It also has gas pipelines connect its neighboring countries, Latvia to the north, Poland to the south. Last year, Lithuania got around 26% of its gas from Russia, while Germany which is Europe's largest economy, says its economy will collapse if it stops taking in Russian gas. And stocks closed higher on Wall Street today, the Nasdaq jumping nearly 2%, Twitter stock up over 27%, you know why. The Dow rose 104 points, 3 tenths of a percent, the S&P 500 gained 37 points, 8 tenths of a percent, the Nasdaq gained 271 points, 1 and 9 tenths of a percent today. And following in Elon Musk's footsteps, wireless company Rivada Networks is going to use a constellation of satellites to create a fast and secure internet service. It's raised $4 billion in funding to send 600 satellites into low Earth orbit. The first to be launched in 2024, and they should be all floating up there by 2028. 
Astrovada Network CEO Declan Ganley what it'll give the world. It'll give it high-speed, ultra-secure, uh, low-Earth orbit satellite connectivity. And it's ultra-secure because it doesn't use ground stations in the traditional way. So they call that the bent pipe in communications parlance. We get rid of that. And it gives us a full optical network of 600 satellites enveloping the whole globe. Um, that means you'll have faster-than-ever satellite communications and ultra-secure communications even more secure than traditional terrestrial networks. Who exactly are your customers going to be? The customer segment that we're targeting are what we call enterprise customers, but um, those will be you know, medium and large businesses, but we, we're going to pull down the barrier to entry so smaller businesses can become enterprise customers too. So the sorts of levels of security of speeds and service previously only available to large corporations will be available to much, much smaller businesses through our wholesale offering. Are you competing directly with Elon Musk's Starlink? No, Musk has, Musk's Starlink is a consumer or a B2C offering. It's very innovative. It has a very, very large uh, number of uh, low Earth orbit satellites planned. They're smaller satellites. Um, ours are 600 satellites, not 20,000. They're at a thousand kilometers, so they're higher up. They're they're bigger. Uh, they're about 500 pounds or so in weight. There or thereabouts. Um, they have uh, higher levels of power, backup power, and they have uh, laser connectivity. Not laser connectivity to just hop from one to another and then back down to a ground station, but it's actually the first space-based meshed optical network. There is no other commercial network that does this this will be the first of its kind and it is focused at enterprise uh, customers not the consumer customers that musk is targeting with starlink how did you get the idea for it the idea is something that i mean the idea to disrupt wireless is nothing new to rivada we have years now of research patents and ip around the idea of spectrum sharing and capacity uh, capacity sharing and wholesale markets. We had the IP, we had the people, we had the, the know-how from a terrestrial wireless network, and we come at this from the ground up, if you'll forgive me for using that term, because ultimately, while these satellite constellations are very exciting and they've got rocket ships and lasers and satellites and all of that cool stuff, which we all love, right? But ultimately, this is about selling gigabytes. This is about clearing capacity because that's what pays for all of this stuff. So it was, we looked at this and we said, this is a business model that makes sense. This is a block of spectrum that makes sense. This is an approach to sharing spectrum that makes sense. Rivada belongs in this space. Really exciting. Declan Ganley, Rivada Networks, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. And China is trying to keep hundreds of stocks from being delisted in American stock exchanges. Beijing on Saturday proposed revising certain audit rules involving overseas listings. The proposal scraps a rule that required on-site inspection of overseas-listed Chinese companies be done by Chinese regulators. It means it could open the door to inspections by U.S. regulators. American regulators demand complete access to companies' audit working papers, which are stored in China. This was a relatively big hurdle to China-U.S. cooperation on the auditing process and continues to be. 
It seems testing positive for COVID isn't bad enough for these little ones. They were put in quarantine without their parents. Because policy in Shanghai says they have to be separated. The youngest scene was not even two months old. Anthony's Don Ma has the story. Just how strict is China's zero COVID policy? If you're a parent and you test negative, but your child tests positive, Chinese authorities will forcibly separate you from your child and put them in a quarantine facility without you. This is what's happening to many parents in Shanghai amid the lockdown. China expert and host of Epoch TV's China Insider, David Zhang, says it's inhumane. I think it's absolutely devastating for things like these to be happening in China. Lockdowns in China have turned into uh, a secondary humanitarian crisis. Sources say authorities had taken away hundreds of small children, all of them quarantined separate from their parents. They're put in Shanghai's Jinshan district. People call it Jinshan Infant Quarantine Facility. Videos and photos circulating online show what it looks like there. A photo shows three babies packed in one bed, and rows of beds are lined up in a lobby with many kids. Very few have adults with them. A mother had the chance to get into this quarantine site. According to her, some kids are only two years old. Even a 58-day-old baby was taken away from its parents and placed here alone. And hygiene conditions are terrible. She said when babies soil themselves, there's not even a place to go to to wash them. She estimated that upstairs alone, there were about 200 kids, and only 10 nurses were there taking care of them. But why is China going to such extremes to try to get to zero virus cases? David Zhang says it's about Xi Jinping's image. As a totalitarian leader, it's very hard for him to walk back any decisions he's made. Xi Jinping is seeking to get a third term, and if Xi Jinping were to reveal that he failed, then that would be a large mistake for, for the uh, opponents to grab onto to try to stop him from getting uh, his third term. As public backlash grows stronger, Shanghai authorities are saying they will improve management and, quote, strengthen communication with the children's parents. Don Ma, NTD News. Western diplomats have expressed concern about separating children from their parents. Diplomats from more than 30 countries have written to the Chinese foreign ministry urging authorities not to take such measures. A letter written by the French consulate in Shanghai reads, quote, under no circumstances should parents and children be separated. The British embassy in Beijing said it was concerned that minors were being separated from their parents. It's still to come this evening. Investors are pouring money into the autonomous truck industry, but are customers and robot drivers ready? That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Hertz is adding more electric vehicles to its rental fleet with the new deal to buy up to 65,000 cars from Swedish electric car maker Polestar. Follows Hertz's order last year for 100,000 Teslas. 
Hertz is buying the model Polestar 2, which Polestar says has an estimated range of 270 miles in a single charge. Polestar vehicles will be available to Hertz customers in Europe starting this spring, and they'll roll out in North America and Australia beginning in late 2022. Polestar says partnerships with companies like Hertz will bring the experience of driving an electric vehicle to a wider audience. This is for many of them, maybe the first time they drive an EV. And companies are looking ahead as autonomous trucks continue to be tested and prepped for American roads, and investors have already poured billions into the industry. Aditi Sean Marshall has more. U.S. self-driving truck companies have great opportunities lined up with the help of a nationwide trucker shortage. The U.S. alone has a shortage of 80,000 drivers, while online shopping and rapid delivery times are severely hurting supply chains. Ultimately, everybody in this industry, the key stakeholders, want to see autonomy happen because of the value proposition. Right? So enabling freight capacity, everyone needs it today. Supply chain is in trouble. There is a severe driver shortage, increasing costs, environmental and safety. Much attention lately has been focused on self-driving taxis, but industry experts bet on driverless trucks to be the first in generating meaningful revenue. The environments for trucks are far less complex than the areas taxis need to drive in. Yeah, I would say that um, we see a huge opportunity with autonomous trucks because of the large costs associated with trucking today and the challenges with capacity. Uh, the capacity challenges are largely driven by the shortage of drivers. And so we see an opportunity over time, over uh, uh, several years here. Private investors have pumped nearly $9 billion into U.S. self-driving truck companies, according to the PitchBook financial database. The problem is that robot drivers still aren't ready, and most of the biggest potential customers also aren't quite ready yet. But they are looking forward to profit gains. We can run routes. Um, without having to have the drivers stop to take their brakes. Uh, we could run a truck continuously from one major city to another and reduce transit times, move product faster from one region of the country to another. In the long run, the tech companies also have to tackle more challenging driving conditions like snow or not having a human driver to properly steer a vehicle with a flat tire or change a flat tire. It may only be a matter of time and testing as PitchBook analysts expect the global autonomous trucking market to balloon from around $530 million in 2023 to $167 billion in 2035. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Besides car prices, the costs of repairs are going up and car insurance is going up too. Car owners are now paying hundreds of dollars more per year to insure their ride compared to before the pandemic. Phil Zoe has the story. Your typical driver will be paying an average of $1,800 for car insurance this year. That's according to a new report from Bankrate. That's $100 higher than last year and a whopping $700 higher than before the pandemic in 2019. I spoke to auto industry expert Lauren Fix also known as the car coach. The main reason for the increase of insurance across the board is the cost of the repair parts, the repair itself, of course, and labor costs. As rates go up across the board, everything is going to get more expensive. The cost of a new car is up 12% from last year, averaging $46,000. For used cars, the bump is even higher with a 40% hike averaging nearly $30,000 for a used car. And don't forget to shop around. You are not committed to stay with that insurance company. If you're going to get higher rates, 
shop around, use online locations. You can contact your insurance broker and see if they can find you a better rate. Fix says one way to reduce insurance is taking driver's education classes. If you've got points on your license for something you've been speeding or doing something incorrect, you can reduce those points, which will reduce your insurance. Gas prices hit a record $4.33 back in March. Right now, it's averaging around $4.22. Phil Zoe, NTD News. And Southwest Airlines is letting customers rebook flights this weekend after a planned system outage. The airline announced flight disruptions and delays on Saturday nationwide after it paused service. Southwest says the problem was caused by an intermittent technology issue, and so because of this, those impacted by the disruption and those who had flights booked with the airline Sunday can rebook without any additional charges. They have 14 days to choose a new flight, but they can only travel to and from their original chosen cities. Passengers can also travel on standby. And Coke lovers, there is a new flavor. It's a little weird. It's dubbed Coca-Cola Zero Sugar Bite. Get this, it's supposed to taste like pixels. The company says it makes the intangible feel of a pixel tangible. Featuring bright elements up front and a refreshing finish, according to Coca-Cola, the Bite beverage is all about gaming. Guess what? Bite existed online before real life. It appeared in late March on an island in the Fortnite video game. Just last month, the company announced a limited edition flavor called Coca-Cola Starlight. It's a red version of the iconic soda with flavor inspired by space. And U.S. customers can buy Byte online starting May 2nd while supplies last. It's only available in a two-pack, and it will set you back around 15 bucks. Expensive Coke. This latest from the NTD business team and myself, Paul Graney. Cancel Catch NTD Evening News, though, with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can also follow me on Twitter, too. For NTD Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.